part two. Yeah, you heard it here. We're coming back at you with some more music from around the world. That's slightly misleading. There's no music. Well, actually, that's a lie. There's one exclusive. Yeah. In this very episode, Ollie. So, you know what? You just, you just yap it, all right? All right. Y- yap, yap it? No. Shut it, all right? Punk. <laughs> Too early for this. <laughs> this is the earliest we've done a podcast. But now it's good because we can empathize with Terry, who oh, yeah. you heard previously. I, I don't know, know when. We, part one. I don't know how, how far apart we're actually going to release <laughs> these, but Terry's, Terry was very good to uh, waking up at like seven or eight in the morning to speak to us. Yeah. And he did inform us that. You know, he's in lockdown, he's making a coffee, he's going to put some brandy in it. <laughs> so he was drinking, we yeah, were exactly. drinking. It was, uh, <laughs> separated by a 12 hours difference, but hey man, yeah. they're in spirit. <laughs> um, so for this episode, we're going to be speaking with um, my cousin Charlie over in San Francisco, um, and also uh, my brother's best friend, and I guess my friend now. You know, I can, I can <laughs> probably say that, I already said that Luke's one of my friends. Uh, we got an invite to Berlin. So. Well, exactly, so I class that, you don't just offer that to anybody. Yeah. You yeah. know? <laughs> It, it might have been half, you know, not wanted to be accepted, but no, yeah. you know, like we will accept it. All right, we'll see you there, Luke. <laughs> uh, so we'll start off with Softman. Okay, a bit of perspective from Europe, and then we'll widen it out to the states. Um, just get some exciting stuff going on. This is gonna be good. Uh, we also have some exclusive content. Let's not forget that we've been very, very blessed to be given um, the exclusive rights to the Blind Bandits' new song, Turn Around. And who are the Blind Bandits? The Blind Bandits are Charlie's band. Charlie's band, yes. Oh, no, 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 not your leader. <laughs> you no, 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 no. <laughs> there was no explanation. No, 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 okay, no, I definitely knew it was Charlie's band. We did speak to him about half an hour. So. No, I mean... Yeah, I mean he's also my cousin. For the you know. listeners who have no <laughs> idea who the Blind Bandits are, we needed some context, man. That's true. Well, we, got some, we got some exclusive content. We'll have a chat with Charlie before we play the song, um, but you definitely want to stay to the end of this one because, whew, it's a banger. Anyway, enjoy. Rubik's Radio. Rubik's. Well, here we are. We're joined on the phone by the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Luke, aka Slothman. How you doing, Luke? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How's it going, guys? You all good? Yeah, all good, man. All good. Excited to have you on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to be on, man. Yeah, definitely. It's a nice little vibe, so. Yeah, but, well, uh, tell you a little bit about what's going on here and the whole situation. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Well, that that would be wicked. And um, but just before we kind of get going properly, can you just let everybody know, well, I guess, who you are? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, sure, sure. So yeah, as you said, I'm Luke, aka Slothman, aka Sloth. Take your pick. <laughs> All good. Um, I'm one third of a group from Bristol, a group of DJs called Fat Stash. Um, and we started like when we first moved there for university. So I'm talking about maybe about six years ago, seven. Um, I'm not currently in Bristol. I'm in Berlin. I moved here about a year and a half ago. Um, but yeah, as a group, we were like DJing a lot over the UK. Um, was in here in Berlin once. And then different members of us were traveling around, doing all sorts of gigs throughout the UK, sometimes in Europe. Um, and yeah, it was mainly... Dancehall, reggae, dub, sound system music, even, you know, drum and bass, jungle, yeah. some garage, whatever people like to hear at the parties we were playing at or events. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously now we, we're living in different countries. I'm here in Germany, Miles and Jack, the other two guys from Fat Stash, uh, they're still in uh, Bristol yeah. and they're still doing their thing. 
So uh, yeah, that, that's it basically. It's my background. Yeah, I mean, no, man. Well, it's it. I mean, it, we have to <laughs> we have to point this out for for other listeners. That of course, if Miles is my brother, and that's how I know <laughs> how I know you, Luke. Um, yeah. <laughs> and just exactly. uh, as a as a backstory, anybody that anybody that comes uh, into contact with Chris on a night out will soon learn that his brother is a big time DJ from Bristol. <laughs> and, uh, Chris finds a way to uh, tell everybody everybody about Miles and Fat Stash. But we actually had him to uh had well miles to represent fat stash in uh in oxford i can't yeah. remember we had him what... twice we had him twice oh yeah because we had him for the gardener one yeah we had him for a we, so we i don't know if you, luke do you ever go to cellar or do you ever hear or something no no i've heard of it but i've never been haven't been back back homeways homeways in a long time really out clubbing so because yeah because you've, you've you came back over christmas didn't you but not not for too long yeah i was just back home in leamington i mean a little bit in banbury i wasn't in oxford yeah. But yeah, I mean, I come back for the pilgrimage maybe once a year at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, to be fair, like, by the sounds of it, we were chatting earlier, like, has everything you could possibly want and need. So, no. <laughs> like, why would you want to come yeah. back? <laughs> but I love it. Oh, no, but, um, so, yeah, thank you again for joining us, man. It's, it's, it's really exciting, um, especially as Ollie said, I've. I tell everybody about Fat Stash and it's like, they're real. I, I trust <laughs> me, they're real. <laughs> so, uh, moving on, so basically what, what is it that, you're, that you do sort of like out in Berlin? Are you, are you playing a lot out there at the moment or not so much? So like when I first moved there, I was still continuing doing on the whole kind of vibe. We were originally doing with Fat Stash, dancehall, reggae, um, played a few gigs, a few venues here for different nights. Um, it's quite a big famous venue here for reggae uh, called Yam. Uh, did something there, did something at a few other places with some MCs who were popping from London. Uh, obviously, you know, the community is quite close-knit, so when somebody comes over and they wanted a DJ, yeah. I would go play for them. Happened like a few times, a, a few events that my friends had like put on as promoters themselves here. Um, but yeah, I was mainly kind of still going on with the... Uh, UK sound system kind of stuff when I first got here, uh, but then kind of quickly realised that I obviously I enjoy playing the music and I still enjoy the music, but to get the same kind of atmosphere from events, mm -hmm. the music is a bit different over here, you know. So it's not like you're gonna go to a packed out dubstep rave here or something. There's still music going on. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but it's like missing the same kind of maybe big atmosphere that you get back home. Okay. So uh, essentially, yeah. After I was playing these gigs. And then I started like exploring the club scene here a bit more, going out a bit more. And now for the past like maybe eight, nine months, I've just been doing my research on uh, the big T, you know, oh, techno over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've just been really kind of getting stuck into that, learning what's going on, you know, the different artists. I had some kind of idea before I came mm. here, but I've had to do a lot of learning. Um, and now, I'm kind of ready to launch back into it, have some productions on the go. I mean, actually, I didn't mention before, I also produced just a sloth, sloth man making dubstep back in the UK. Yeah. Um, and now I'm still making some dubstep, but I've just been experimenting with uh, techno, like Ghetto House as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's the current state of my music stuff. I just feel like I'm learning a lot. Yeah. Did you so? Did you have like a plan kind of in mind when you went out? Because we love our techno. I mean, yeah. me, me with the Chris. Did you did you go to Berlin obviously for the music scene, uh, or have you kind of like fallen into techno once you're there? Nah, yeah, I I didn't really go for the music scene, you know. But it was oh, like right. I had this realization when um, 
I was talking with somebody, another guy from London, and obviously he, uh, my, my really big passions were 140, dubstep, grime, mm-hmm. some garage. Um, and I was going to these events. There were some drum and bass events on as well. And again, it was just like missing that special feeling that yeah, you yeah. get back home. Because obviously it's all these the UK kinds of music and you have the UK home crowd. And uh, you don't get that home crowd feeling. And the only home crowd feeling I could start getting was if I was like, okay, I'll explore a bit more of these events where I don't know any of the lineup or maybe one or two. Yeah. Um, and then it would, you know, I enjoy the music as well. Uh, I, I used to be really into my minimal techno, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago when I was learning how to mix and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of fell into it just from what, if you want to go out to the big clubs here, then you've got to play, you've got to play with some techno, so. Give the people what they want. That's uh, essential. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, why not come here and explore what is a, the, the world class for yeah. the scene? You know, it would be like if somebody moved to Bristol. Yeah, exactly. Didn't listen to any reggae or dub, or they didn't listen to any of the great grime or dubstep that comes from there. Yeah. So it's like, why not? It's a wasted opportunity. What exactly? If you don't make the most of what is arguably one of the best scenes for that kind of music here. So yeah, world renowned. Yeah, well, it literally is. I mean, that's when people think about Berlin, especially they think about techno, and it's yeah, mm. historic for that, and, and obviously history as well. Which yeah, is, exactly. Yeah, so why not experience cool. it? Yeah, you've uh, Chris, you very kindly mentioned to Chris yesterday that we need to come out, and uh, we definitely do. But Chris said. Um, Chris said that he would half not want to go out because he wants to go to so many of the museums. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly. I think you can do both, you know. Like, <laughs> we'll have to make it a week-long trip. <laughs> yeah, especially when the clubs are open all weekend. I think you can find a bit of time to go in. It's just <laughs> yeah. If it's open 48 hours. That's true. Mate, 48 hours. Yeah. Go after lunch. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I usually do go most of my stuff do. like if I go out clubbing on Sunday, Sunday morning. So it would be... I don't really like staying from you know midnight until what silly hour the next day yeah, yeah it's like i will go on sunday from 10 until like six or seven and then go and eat dinner afterwards and then you're kind of most of the times ready for work the next day you know yeah. that's such yeah. a crazy that's, concept that's, that's ridic- yeah it's crazy like it's it? something that i like i've just it just blows my mind that that you can have a routine that's the, the club kind of allows you to have that routine in a way because yeah. of the opening hours. Well, know, I mean, it's mental. It's been well documented across all of our sort of like spoken sort of projects. Our biggest love is, is day drinking. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing better than day drinking. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that really, that really sounds pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. But when I first got here, I found it crazy as well. It's like, what the fuck? Going, oh, I don't fucking swear, but I'm yeah. going and coming on a Sunday. <laughs> Yeah. Especially that early, you know, like you get up at 10 to go queue up at 11. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, my... yeah, yeah, but it was kind of crazy, but then it kind of works into your schedule a bit more. It means I can actually go out have a fun time rather than maybe go out on one night on the weekends and just ruin the whole weekend yeah. and yeah, have literally. a bad Monday as well, you know. So. Yeah. Well, my, um, when, we, when we went to London, my mate was telling me that he was speaking to people who work in certain line of works that they have to get to work at like six, uh, five, six in the morning, weird times. And what they yeah. would do is they would wake up at like three they would then go to somewhere like fabric for like an hour before their work so <laughs> yeah. they'd, they'd wake up and then it would be the the way they kind of get into their into their day and i tell you what it would definitely wake you up should we get on to some uh kind of more uh some questions around coronavirus because yeah, uh, yeah, so this sure. is obviously our coronavirus bunker cast podcast I and mean, we're, <laughs> we're kind of keen to get an idea of how it's impacting you so uh is it Obviously, we're obviously you're going to be res- locked into your flat, but yeah. in terms of your day-to-day life, how how are you getting by and what what are you doing? 
I mean, yeah, if I, if I split it into like music and day-to-day -day life times, like day-to-day -day is I'm working from home. Uh, luckily, I have a job where I can do that, and um, it's kind of secure. So that's that's good. I'm always a big fan of working from home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I prefer my home to office, so that's all fine. Um, and luckily, the German government is like giving a lot, a lot of support and very quickly to people in need in terms of whether that's musicians, freelancers, uh, people in just in normal employed jobs. So um, if I end up like having an issue with my job, then the German government will pay me 60% of my wages. Mm -hmm. If you're a freelancer, like a musician, and you usually you know, have to report your own income, pay your own taxes, they're giving out grants of uh, 5,000 euros, and you get that the next day. So, um, for example, my flatmate, he works in a job which was affected by the coronavirus, and he's also technically self-employed. He applied for it last night and just today got five grand in his account. So I think wow. a lot of uh, musicians and artists who work as freelancers or independent or whatever they have situation they have going on are like really well protected. Already have got money in their accounts. That's that's crazy, especially when you when we kind of compare it over to here in the UK, where there was this whole thing, especially for self-employed people. Um, you know, and what kind of spot they're getting, and, and mm -hmm. obviously branches out into freelance and musicians and, mm -hmm. and sort of session workers. Um, and they're just like, even now, like, you, you can apply for obviously a grant, but then it's it's still waiting for like a, a month or so. Yeah, God, I've heard this like up to three months. They're saying for some people, but here they're giving the money and then asking questions later. I don't know if that's more responsible or not, but it, but if you need money, then you, you'll get it. You know, 5,000, you can, that's maybe the average rent here is like 500 pounds, 500 euros a month. It's 10 months rent. You know, so at least you'll have somewhere to stay for ten months. You know, exactly. we need to. We should be moving to Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> Those prices. <laughs> we're paying. It's it's terrifying to think what we're paying for a tiny flat in Kidlington of all places yeah. in comparison to what you're in Oxford. In like, in terms of, <laughs> the return on that is uh, much nicer. Yeah. <laughs> and then in terms of sort of the music, I mean, again, like. Obviously, you can't be going like clubbing and doing all that sort of stuff, but is there any kind of limitations in terms of production? Yeah, well, obviously the biggest one is all the all the clubs are closed, you know? <laughs> yeah. and we had this we had this issue where even before coronavirus, there was a, quite a famous club here. You might have seen it. It was advertised a lot on Resident Advisor. The issue is called uh, Grismola, and uh, it was one of the more famous ones here, you know, obviously up there with... Burkine about blank trezor and uh, I really liked it. it had like it was a really cool venue outside bits things to explore and uh, They had this issue with Their landlord decided he wasn't going to renew the contracts and this closed down so already we were kind of feeling I personally was feeling a bit of the effects of uh, These places where I like to go listen to music, you know, this happens everywhere around the world mm. is they're kind of being shut down So already that, that was one down out of my favorite to go to Oh. Then obviously clubs started making the decision themselves that they wanted to close. Yeah. So I think I think Berkheim was one of the first to it, on sometime last month decided it was closing. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later we got the thing from the government that all bars are closed, all uh, clubs, pubs, anywhere where live music is going on mm -hmm. is all closed. Uh, and for a lot of people that's the livelihood gone. You know, yeah. promoters, artists, people who work at the clubs. All this stuff, um, but luckily for them, like I said, there's this program where people can kind of quite easily get money. Yeah. Not so good necessarily for the, like the employed workers at the clubs because it's a bit more difficult. They only get sixty percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for artists, 
is it's a bit better, and obviously we're seeing a big uptake in uh, live streaming, you know, and I've seen some actually really, really good live, uh, live stream sets from uh, the clubs. Um, from I saw one. The clubs? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it wasn't from a club, but Helena Health did a fantastic one the other day. Um, I, even in the UK, obviously, I know they're doing good stuff there. DJ EZ did a mad, mad yeah, long. 24 hours. But, he yeah, loves it. I need to watch always... that to believe it. I don't know how that's possible. but <laughs> He does it. I swear, this is like, I've seen him do it before, and I swear he's just like, okay, what can I do? I'm just DJ for 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, gosh. But, I mean, I it. it's yeah, in but a good way it's impacted me. Uh, is I have a lot more time at home yeah. and a lot more free time. Um, so I'm getting stuck into downloading new music, producing tunes. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously a lot of people are doing that, not just in Berlin, all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's given me the time to get on my decks a bit more, get behind Ableton, fire out some tunes. So that's good. It swings and roundabouts, but don't get me wrong, I super miss going out because to me that's where inspiration comes from. You know, you go out, you hear a cool tune on your phone and you think, God, I want to play this myself or I want to make something that sounds like it. Yeah. So it's lacking a little bit. I mean, when you go out to a club and you see people enjoying a tune or vibing out to a tune, it makes you want to be like, I want to make a tune that people do the same to. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bit different from when you're at home listening on your headphones because you don't see the interaction or the emotional response it like gives to everyone. So it's a bit like I can imagine when I finally get to go out again, <laughs> we were, it, it will we... be like, okay, I need to make loads of tunes. Yeah. But yeah. I won't have the time. So it's like you're in, inspired, no time, or feeling less inspired, but have all the no, time so, in the world. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's a trade-off, mate. It's a trade-off, I think, of any, anyone's. I mean, we, we, we also, we're, we're quite busy with what we, you know, in days and in, in all the different stuff that we do. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we found that obviously with us being at home all the time is that, we have more time to do that sort of stuff, but the same again, like you kind of almost don't have any escape, don't have any way of, like you said, inspiring I yourself. I think one of the one of the ways of getting through it is is that that night when or when we when we can start to go out, it'll it'll almost be a novelty again for a bit. But also that that first day that we can go out, whether it be oh, Friday or Saturday, that was like a new kind of like we get excited for Christmas. Every I think all of us will get yeah. more excited for this. So it's essentially it's created another like date to pin down in the diary for everyone, if which is going to be an amazing day. If you're, if you're a promoter and you've got like a and you got like a gig. Or, or like a, a sorry a, a, an event that you're planning and mm. it's like on that kind of like cusp of it might still be able to go uh, ahead yeah, yeah. your ticket sales will just go through the roof yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah. i'm sure they'll do they'll do well everyone will do well for a bit after after it all comes off i mean the clubs i'm i'm generally to think that the queues will be like here because obviously queuing for clubs here is a big thing and it never really was so much in the uk but here i've waited these these three hours whatever to even not get in to get three just rejected hours, on some it's like three hours gone yeah. so i'm thinking the queues will be insane so i'm not looking forward to the queues but i'm looking forward to actually getting inside yeah so how long have, how long have you been in uh, berlin now uh i've been here about a year and a half now yeah, yeah and... uh, it's been great i've enjoyed the whole time i mean i felt a bit like a refugee from brexit i wanted to flee before the borders got shut you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh i'm actually now allowed to stay in germany i won't be able to necessarily move to france or spain or something but yeah. i got here in time so that i have like permanent residence to stay here in the Wicked. future Awesome. So I can move back to England and then if I want to come back to Germany. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a year and a half and it's felt about like five minutes. So obviously it must have been good. 
yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that's, that's actually because I was actually going to bring up the whole the whole Brexit sort of thing, and like, obviously it's <laughs> devastating, devastating for musicians, obviously people who want to stay in Europe as well. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that you're, you're going to be able to stay there because that would actually yeah. suck having to come back if you. Exactly. I mean, what does suck is I can't just move to somewhere a bit hotter, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. if I wanted to. But still, it could be a lot worse. So at least I get to stay here rather than if you miss the date and you're in the UK. I mean, technically, I think the date is right up until the end of this year. Okay. I think it's like up to New Year's Day. But if as long as you're here and you're registered, then you'll be allowed to stay. Oh, wicked. So the cutoff date still hasn't happened. You know, it's still possible for people to come. So you but, uh, frantically dash. Yeah, <laughs> frantically exactly. Dash I can imagine maybe in the last month there will be a few <laughs> frantic dashes. But... <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, so we kind of mentioned a lot about production and that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. is there, I mean, is there anything else you're doing? Kind of like, I mean, obviously other people as well that like, are doing their DJ mm-hmm. sets and stuff. Is there anything you're doing specifically just to kind of like combat the boredom, maybe outside oh. of the music and that sort of stuff? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I've been putting together new sets essentially, uh, but that can be an expensive hobby, um, especially if you're buying wafts. So I was like coming up with a new way of, because I listen to a lot of music on my laptop with my headphones and it sounds good on there, but then I go and play it on my speakers or through my, my decks or whatever. And some of the songs just don't like slap like they did on the, the headphones. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been like trying to, because especially if I spend 30, 40 euros on tunes, I mix them all so quickly at first. I'm bored of them within 25 minutes. It's like before the euro is gone. So I was like, I need to find out a better way of doing this. So I know that every tune I buy slaps. So it's uh, yeah a process of like trying to hook up my laptop to the speakers, which isn't too difficult. But then really taking the time to be uh, sure that what I want to buy is things which mix well together. Yeah, I used to be really really into this back home in Bristol, uh, but now uh, over the past year I've been busy obviously setting myself up. But yeah. now obviously with this as well, I have even more time. So now I want to get back into curating essentially. So I think that's that's the name of the game. Curation. I'm getting into some music creation. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and other than that, getting back into making some tunes, I took a little break, maybe for about seven or eight months. I didn't produce anything, mm. and now getting back in, uh, you have to put time in as well to you know watch these tutorials or like how people have made certain sounds. So I think I've been making sure I dedicate at least, even if it's as small as half an hour, yeah, up yeah. to maybe an hour or as long as you want. Even if I don't want to do it, just force yourself to do something. You That's know? I think I think that we're really fortunate to have uh, to have a hobby like this because it does. This actually just provides such perfect opportunity. I'm looking at other people, or I'm talking to other people who are just so bored because they're they're, they're really struggling to find things to do. And like music production, it, this is just the <laughs> most fantastic <laughs> opportunity yeah. to do it because for me, it's like I'm very new into the world of production, and uh, I've I've been like dabbling here and there but i've always had ex- always had things that have got in the way and now mm. just completely not being able to leave the house i don't it's just provided the perfect opportunity and i think we're very fortunate but fortunate for, for this uh, in a way <laughs> that we're not bored out of our minds because we actually have something to, well, to got, focus on it's good. there's no end to it you know it's not like Literally. you can be like oh, okay i'm finished or i've yeah. done this or it just keeps going and going going so it's yeah. a good time sink unlike i know i've played a few video games you know and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> since he's been off which is something I don't usually do but you know there's an end to it whereas with music production you keep going you get better and there's no end so it's 
can never be time wasted in my opinion 2020 yeah. and 2021 you're gonna get some of the best songs ever <laughs> yeah um, th- th- it's gonna be good years for music <laughs> well, then... we'll, we'll see the payoff in three months the economy won't but i think we'll see some yeah, good albums exactly. in three months. <laughs> yeah, see some good albums so. yeah. <laughs> all right Lee, well, we'll probably wrap it up soon but we've uh, got one last question for you yeah sure uh when this whole thing blows over what is going to be the first thing that you do <laughs> okay this is a good question yeah. Uh, I mean, the first thing I will do, first, first, first thing is like get a pulled pint from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, not having to get it out of a can or bottle or whatever, I want it pulled. That's so, very good. Yeah, very good point. That is literally okay. The first thing I'll do, I'll run to the nearest bar and get it. But <laughs> other than that, it's going to be clubbing. I mean, like, I had a bit of an unfortunate experience. I had it like. Good experience at the start of the shiver clubbing. I was like getting in everywhere and like not being rejected for anything mm. for like the first two months of the year. Yeah. Uh, and it was great, you know. And then like I find if you don't plan out your night well enough here and you don't go at the right times, you really have to mission to like get somewhere. Not in terms of traveling, but you have to like plan it out. It can't really be spontaneous so much here. Oh. Uh, that's weird. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously they have the door policy, and then if you go at like you can wait in the queue for three hours. So it could be like you wait in the queue for three hours, you get rejected, or like you go not dressed in the right stuff. Blah blah blah. There's so much that goes wrong. And I was doing really well the first two months, and then like the past three three times, I tried to go clubbing. I either got rejected, or I waited so long in the queue that I wanted to go home, or uh, it just didn't happen for me. So I, ha- I was frustrated already. I was like, God, like the past few weeks I've wanted to go clubbing and I haven't been able to do it. That's crazy. And then we got, we got banged with this this whole lockdown. <laughs> so the first thing I want to do is queue up for a club. Well, for your sake, I really hope you get late, <laughs> yeah. mate. I'm yeah, really I really do. do. <laughs> do they, I mean, do they that... not do ticketed events? Like, because obviously over here, like... Uh, no, I mean, no. Most of the... Some of them are ticketed, but most of them aren't. And some of them are ticketed, but they can still reject you if they don't like you when you get to the door. <laughs> That's so nice. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, but it's a good feeling when you get in, though, you know? Like, I had, uh, yeah, like I said, a good run where I didn't have any rejections anywhere for, like, two months. January, February... Then March, I had the three times which are bad, and then now we've entered into this like no go zone where you can't even go out. So, yeah, I need to go out again and hear something loud. And, loud. <laughs> and I mean, maybe obviously it might not be Friday is not the best day for clubbing here. Sunday day is really good. Saturday is obviously kind of good as well. Yeah. But I will, yeah, make sure I get out and party. For sure. one of them. <laughs> yeah. well, you never know, mate. It might be we, by the time it all blows over, we might be over there yeah. with you. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see. We'll see. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. That's all right. You're welcome, lads. No worries. I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, have a good one, guys. All right, wicked. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> well, wasn't that lovely? Just lovely. Why are you laughing at me awkwardly? I find myself always laughing whenever you intro, <laughs> intro to a new segment. Ollie, I take up the brunt of the responsibility with the, with, yeah. the, with the transitions. And sometimes a little bit of appreciation would go amiss, all right? I do appreciate it. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Your, your face is saying something, but then your body language is saying something else. Punk. But anyway, moving away from that and Ollie's very rude mannerisms. Um, Luke, thank you very much for come and have a chat with us it was really good to get some perspective of berlin yeah um especially the difference in nightlife um i think we didn't realize yeah, it was it's hard, it's, yeah it's hard for us to we're so used to what it's like here it's yeah. so difficult to even imagine that it can be so different 
so so yeah uh, so crazily different like in other places in the world and as you heard from oh, yeah. terry as well new zealand completely completely different mm -hmm. nightlife experience and so it sounds stupid because obviously it's these are completely different places in the world, could be yeah. really far away. <laughs> but the fact, you know, so you just kind of maybe just take it for granted or just assume that nightlife is nightlife. Yeah. But they can be so hugely different culturally. Well, and I think as well, it gets a lot of different with the culture. It just, it infuses in different ways. And that's why you obviously have different genres and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I definitely want to go see some techno in Berlin now. Yeah. Not like I didn't want them before, but now I really want to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I already know what's up in the New Zealand bar scene, so uh, I'll hit that <laughs> up anytime. <laughs> anyway, we've got, we're speaking with um, Charlie, who's on the line, um, and we will be just catching up with him about America, what's happening in San Francisco especially. Um, and don't forget, we have that exclusive content. I'm going to plug it. I'm going to drop it. The Blind Bandits. Turn around. Let's go. Here's Charlie. <laughs> Well, we are joined on the phone by La Familia, <laughs> Mr. Charles Barrett, or a.k.a. Charlie. Charlie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Christian. How are you? Oh, mate, I'm very excited to have you on. This, you're the first family member we've had on our podcast, so you should feel very special. Well, you have to get uh, Uma and Papa on here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but I don't think they'd be able to figure out how to call me. So. Especially <laughs> as no one could go around to help him set it up. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but shout out Uma and Popper if they're listening. <laughs> Wait, so actually, I... Christian, I don't know if you can see. This is one of hers, uh, her pictures up here in the back. Is it? Uh, up behind the penis man. Yeah, the... <laughs> <laughs> just to explain it's as well, the penis, the penis man is not just the guy who stood naked behind Charlie. It's, it is uh, a statue. It's not made by Uma, is it? No, it's not made by no, Uma. No, no, it's, but... it's a fertility statue. <laughs> It used to be in the family room, and literally the only time we ever went in that room is to open <laughs> presents on Christmas. So like every Christmas, we'd go into the room, and there he would be right by the <laughs> fireplace. I think what we're going to do is we'll, we'll, we, when we put this podcast out, we'll get a photo of the penis man, and we'll just be like, this is what we're talking about, guys. He's just looking, <laughs> looking over the family, opening their presents, touching his wine. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he, just, he provides good energy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, good vibes. Good energy. I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so, Charlie, for, for our listeners, um, obviously, you've never never heard from you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background in music, that sort of stuff? Uh, well, I live in San Francisco. I'm a musician. I'm a teacher. Um, I've got a band, The Blind Bandits. Sure. Uh, uh, that's probably about it. Well, uh, I play a bunch of different instruments, so it's hard to, hard to say necessarily this or that at this point. But um, I'm definitely a musician. Well, that's the same, because you, you do play, like, an unbelievable amount of instruments. Like, I mean, for example, for the Blind Bandits, you, yeah, I, I've always known you as kind of like a, a horn instrument, sort of, you know, trumpets or trombones or tubers, that sort of stuff. But you, what, I don't even know what it's called, what you play in the, in the Blind Bandits. I mean, obviously, I know you change, but the main instrument. Uh, well, I play, let's see, in our, let's see, our, our track that's about to come out, uh, Turn Around, I'm playing a melodica. Uh, normally you see them and they're, you know, they're kind of like $90 toys. Um, <laughs> I invest in the like professional model, which is certainly expensive for what it was. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, you can plug it directly in uh, into an amplifier, into effects, which is the main reason for getting it. Yeah. Uh, but since then, I've, you know, I've modified it. I've you know, changed out all the pickups and um, tricked out the instrument. Pimp and then I've got another one actually right here, which is uh, what I've been playing lately. Ooh. So it's not a ukulele, it's a... It's got a baritone ukulele's body, okay. but it's strung more like a tenor guitar. Okay, wicked. Um, 
Yeah, all right. custom built. Cool Love stuff. It. Hey, well, I said when you guys win Blind Bandits eventually like blows up, like you can sell <laughs> all these different instruments for like $150,000, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Get some of my money back. <laughs> <laughs> So wicked. So um, kind of going on to the the kind of Corona side and 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 kind of what's happening at the moment, especially in the United States. I feel like a lot of people around the world. I know that I'm very locked in on it. I mean, obviously, probably because my family's over there. But <laughs> but I mean, I feel like you guys are quite in a quite a unique situation, especially you know where you're sort of set with your healthcare system and that sort of stuff. So what's kind of going on at the moment with you guys? I think uh, probably one of the big misconceptions about the states is the idea that. Um, really anyway it's a, a like monolith right so when you know the things that are happening in New York uh, which are really really bad right now are drastically mm-hmm. different than things that are happening in other regions of the country so it really is almost like 50 different countries yeah with 50 different responses so an effective government for us means that you've got a facilitator mm-hmm. you know that's kind of organizing all those 50 I don't know if that's really happening very well at the moment <laughs> But, but sort of the onus of responsibility in American government is in local government still. Yeah. So being that I'm in San Francisco in California, um, you know, we're doing fairly well, all things considered. Um, yeah. You know, we've got a uh, good social structures in place. There hasn't been any panic. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been very little in terms of like, you know, damage done so far outside of uh, economically. Okay. Um, and for artists, they've... Um, I think on the 23rd, they passed an artist relief fund, which was, I think, a million and a half or $2 million for artists. Wow. And then another set of money that was, um, so part of the money you can get in grants, and then part of the money is in low interest loans. Okay. Okay. That's too bad. It's pretty good because I think a lot of the people over here in the UK for businesses, it, it's it's all loans and like apart from I don't really know what There's it's the like. There's the odd grunt kicking about. Yeah, the the odd grunt kicking here about. or there. If you find it, <laughs> but in the I, I find I find the whole concept of like you know you could you get a, you, it should be grants. Like yeah, I find the whole concept of taking out a loan just to let yourself you know get yourself survive like survive through the whole thing like. I felt it's pretty unfair. But it's a like, lot of money, though, and it's a lot of people that need it. So that's true. when you're talking about an entire country, like nationwide needs, if you if it's that's not true. loans, uh, it's a hell of a lot of money. And yeah, maybe they should do it, but you can understand why not. Yeah, I guess it have longer longer term impacts. But I mean, when you compare our our loans compared to the I think it's the two trillion dollars that you guys have got put through for a kind of federal relief packet, is that is that is that the size of it, or am I? Yeah, I, I haven't followed it too closely, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think it, it was somewhere in that price range. And then there's going to be, they're going to need more. Very, very quickly, they're going to need more. But I think what we really need is they're going to need new infrastructures for, for like government and economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were building off of systems that are built for the 1900s. You know, all of them are, right? They've just been tweaked and tinkered with, mm-hmm. whether it be education or, or medicine or whatever the system is. It's kind of built on these archaic infrastructures. Yeah. We're kind of at a time where some of those things have just got to be torn down and rebuilt up a little bit. Oh, mate. Well, it seems like it's a pretty crazy time to be over in the States. I mean, obviously, I know you, you've always lived over, well, other than the is it first three years that you were over here in the UK or is it? If that, yeah, yeah. maybe a year, year and a half. So what, uh, fun fact for you, Ollie, is that um, Charlie is well. Have you got a? You haven't got a British passport, but you could have one if you wanted. I one. do. Oh, you do? Well, I don't. No, oh, I do no. not. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. But you could have one if you wanted one. 
So that's always something. To, I mean, I don't know what a British passport really gives you now without with Brexit and everything. But, <laughs> but hey, man, you never know. An alter ego. An alter ego. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. So kind of going down from like a, a macro sort of level down to micro in terms of like you and your day to day life. Like what, what's happening in, in, in San Francisco? Shout out San Francisco. Love it. <laughs> Show your tap. <laughs> yeah. San, I mean, probably a lot of cities are like San Francisco in that the like the population radically grows during the day. But I think mm-hmm. San Francisco maybe more so. The numbers it, it almost triples during the average workday. Wow. So you know, the population of the city at certain times of the year, like when schools are out and it's holidays and stuff like that, the city doesn't feel very busy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it feels like now, wow. unless you go to a grocery store and then they're, <laughs> they're definitely busy. Um, but it, it, it is a little bit eerie, but also yeah. the city's grown so much in the last 10 years. It reminds me a little bit of what the city was like when I first got up here, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit less people, the people that are here, you know, are, are from here or they live here. They're not necessarily people coming in to, to hustle. Yeah. Hustle. <laughs> On that daily work grind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the biggest difference for me, though, is uh, since I teach, um, we've had to transition all of our school to a distance learning plan. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Um, most schools are starting up. We've been in you know, isolation for what, three weeks now. Okay. Um, so most of the schools are starting up. You know, maybe now, maybe they did last week, basically just streaming classes. Okay. So we were able to hit the uh, the Monday after uh, we went on quarantine on a Friday. Mm-hmm. So the Monday after we started classes with um, like everything synced up, uh, kids were like, yeah. you know, enrolled in their Google classrooms and everything. So we were able to hit the ground running. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was kind of... Yeah, so there was quite there's quite a lot of pre-planning about it. So it was kind of like the writing was on the wall for a little while that allowed you guys to kind of get everything in motion and get it all ready to go? Or is it something that's just in place normally anyway? Well, we have uh, like technology integrated pretty heavily into the school already. Mm-hmm. So the, the there's a one-to-one student iPad uh, ratio. Wow. So they're all in them, but they're, um, you know, there's different ways to use an iPad, right? Like mm-hmm. you can you can use it as a spreadsheet, yeah. right? And that's what a lot of us do, or use it like a camera, <laughs> right? And then it replaces something that doesn't enhance anything. So we've spent a lot of time like using the technology to sort of enhance and develop curriculum and make it yeah. better or more consistent versus just having a cool flashy toy. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is what most people <laughs> me included. Yeah, so it's we're kind of geared up for this type of education. And now that we're in it, we're, um, you know, there's almost, there's a little bit of a freedom to kind of experiment and play with the, the teaching style so, a little bit. So there, there's definitely benefits, you know, that'll come from this sort of thing, but so uh, the we're going to have to wait um, for them. It's the yeah. full school, like the full school is going ahead. It's not just certain classes, like people are essentially doing school distance, all subjects and everything like that. Uh-huh. that right? Yeah. That's uh, crazy. Kindergarten, so five-year-olds through 13-year-olds. That is absolutely crazy because... Obviously here it's just that's that's it shut down. These, yeah. these kids don't have like they have they're at home unless they're obviously they're kids of key workers. That's it. They're done now with school till September. That's yeah. so crazy that school is able to carry on just from from distance. What like yeah. So well, yeah. I mean, the... It can it can be done, and you know I'm I'm lucky. Uh, our school is you know the probably the odd one out there, and there's a lot of schools that are not 
mm-hmm. um, not as able as we are. Uh, but it definitely, if you if you have the resources to do it, it's easy to do, and teachers are able to do it, and they want to do it. Yeah. You know, but in education, it always comes down to uh, there not being enough money. Yeah, because I'm saying, because you guys, you guys, are, you're a private school, aren't you? That's that's what yeah. you work for. Yeah, and I mean, I guess coming from a kind of music perspective, I mean, how much do you kind of like use instruments on a day to day basis? But also as well, like, how can you, is it just literally musical theory that you're having to teach? Or is there actually some kind of like one-to-one of us, like someone playing trumpet and you just having to say something for a camera, like, that was shit. <laughs> uh, there, I, a little bit of both. Um, yeah. I like to think, um, I had to ask myself and as a you know music team, I had to ask ourselves what our, our purpose was going to be over the next few months. Because that mm-hmm. purpose is very different than what it was. Yeah three weeks ago. But I feel like with music, you know, I'm not teaching math, I'm not teaching science. So music is easy. If I get them between now and August or September, whenever we go back, if they maintain excitement about music or they become more excited, it's a win. That's all I got to do. That's wicked. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's a really good way of looking at it as well. And I guess when you, the issue, especially over in the UK, you probably wouldn't attract it, but there's been a huge change from you know, a real focus on kind of like a variety of curriculums and to, to especially over the last 10 years, in my opinion, it, it's fallen off where they've they focused a lot more on the traditional subjects um, where it's been a lot more kind of like math, science, English. And unfortunately, the the kind of creative industries, especially music, has fallen off. Um, I mean, is it is that something that you guys have kind of felt over there or is it because, you know, there's not really is it kind of run on different levels in terms of private and state? Is it is it consistent or have you seen kind of any change? kind of longer term uh, in terms of music and that sort of funding and ability to do? Um, I guess it's hard to say. Um, you know, certainly when I was growing up, there were lots of cuts to the programs. Mm. And up here, the the purpose of the program is so very different than it was in the Central Valley. Yeah. Um, so for, for clarification, I live in San Francisco now, and I grew up in a, in a place called Fresno, Fresno, which is about halfway in between San Francisco and Los Angeles inland. So it's uh, it's a very fertile region of the country. Oh, yeah. Um, Crystal meth is... capital of the world as yeah, well. Let's say, not forget few... that. Big up living yeah. too. a few documentaries <laughs> with uh, Fresno. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Fresno is um, is a larger city than most, like mid um, Midwestern cities. It's yeah. bigger than, like, Cleveland and maybe even Detroit and things like that. So it's, it's growing. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> it's <good. laughs> but yeah, so music down there was a contest, right? Okay. And at, like all the, you know, you had these festivals and, you know, bands were competing and you were scored and then you went to this and that. And there is that aspect up here too, but it doesn't seem like the purpose of people making art is to compete against mm-hmm other people's art to prove who's is better because <laughs> um, as soon as you start doing that you've completely defeated the purpose yeah, yeah, of making yeah. the art in the first place um, so it's, it's, it's hard to judge like there is there are music programs here they're different I don't see as many like really great players mm-hmm. but it, it'd be you know, I'm not able to follow them long term. So it'd yeah. be interesting to see how those styles compare. Yeah, no, completely, completely. Well, I said, I mean, this is the one thing, especially for, from us growing up over here in the UK and, and coming over to you guys in the US, there is so many differences. And it's, I mean, it kind of expected because it is, you know, what, a 10 hour, <laughs> 12 hour plane journey away. So you probably would expect it's some differences. A lot longer if you're on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> But I said, I guess, I guess, you know, kind of digging a little bit deeper into me, I've been very lucky that, you know, me and my brother and my mum have all, you know, come out every year and been able to come over and see you guys and, and be able to, you know, 
come see the the penis man in in, in the flesh you know <laughs> that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So moving, moving kind of past that and kind of looking more towards, you know, what you were doing personally in terms of your music and, and the Blind Bandits. I mean, what, what kind of impact has, has coronavirus had for you guys as a band, but also as well, like wider on your music scene and, and the music scene within San Francisco? You know, the music scene in San Francisco, I think, has been struggling long before uh, this thing came along. Really? Uh, you know, uh, and we're seeing, this is, this seems to be, you know, not just in music, but, um, it seems like this virus is going to be a mechanism for a lot of old walls to fall. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, um, you know, I was saying the same thing earlier about, you know, the political structures, but we, you know, there's yeah. loads of uh, like bars that are closing down and it's unfortunate because they're like long-term venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be fair, they're, you know, they're not profitable and they're certainly not helping musicians out a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so we still need places to play, right? Yeah. But those venues are are different, um, you know, and they're not the same space as they used to be. So there are people that are doing things. And I think you're seeing the people that have those abilities to kind of do their art in weird spaces starting to really flourish. Yeah. Right. Like the people that have a podcast in their basement. Right. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> That's a very like valuable thing to have because nobody else can actually do that. And you're seeing yeah. a lot of the old artists come out. You know, Patrick Stewart's reading, you know, Shakespearean sonnets every day, wow. right? And yeah. you got you know jazz musicians coming out and doing live sessions. And well, guess who can't do that? Right, the people who can't make their music live. Yeah. So you're really starting to see the people that can, you know, that have chops and can do stuff. So when we get out of this and we can start to socialize again, I think, you know, we're going to walk out into a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, completely. I mean, the one thing that, well, not one thing, we've seen lots of things on the internet, but the, the, the kind of the, one of the biggest things I've noticed recently is just how many, especially from a, from a DJ's point of view, how many live sets people are doing in terms of, you know, playing to people, um, you know, how many people were just trying to interact online and also as well, like the sheer amount of content that is coming out, like it's fel- face melting to think about how much people are putting out at the moment in terms of like, you know, new songs, new mixes, new production. Well, it's the it's luxury like, of time and yeah. uh, it's the luxury of time and then uh, not a lot of other distractions. It's like when we did our first podcast, we joked that we've been wanting to do it for ages and it's taken something like this to actually get <laughs> get the ball rolling again. <laughs> but it's, it, it's because not only are you stuck at home, but also you've got you so that means you can't go out to the pub you can't go somewhere else so you yeah. literally have to force to fill time and then you're like oh well i may as well get back into this then well exactly yeah and we've had mics for ages so <laughs> it's good that we're finally doing something with them <laughs> yeah i've been absolutely astounded at how busy i've been mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know because i mean especially with school not really stopping yeah um, but everything else is kind of amped up so um i work with a cellist uh goes by the name cellista Chalista, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and she's got um, she's got some really really amazing work. Um, but I've been doing some of her orchestrating for her recently. Oh, wicked! Um, so she's just sent me a bunch of stuff, and um, she's an amazing collaborator. And she's working on a new album, and you know she's definitely the centerpiece and the queen of the album. But she's got all these people, amazing people around her, doing different bits of it. So she does. She's one of these artists that does strange performance spaces. So we played with her. Um, there's a yoga studio and you came in and it took about 30 chairs, right? And on one wall, she's got a projector playing this video that's like made for her album. 
what? you know, by a videographer that's got all these cuts and it's done on film and it's crazy. Then the other one is a, a mural, right? The hand painted mural that's, you know, probably 15, 20 feet across and eight feet high. Right. And then she's got, she comes out and she's playing cello and she's got dancers and like, what? you know, multimedia and all this crazy stuff. So and you're starting to see more of that type of thing. But yeah. so we've been working closely together. I was working on some of her music um, just this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hoping that some of her stuff will work in this type of environment that we'll be able to actually record it and you know, push it out. Yeah. Do something different, man. I think that's, as I said, like with the time, it does allow you to do more and creative stuff. But I think to be fair, like for a lot of people, especially musicians, you've got to be so busy because there's, you know, effectively, the way I've always seen it is there's two ways in which you can make it in the music industry. You can either go for it and hope that you have one big hit and you can kind of go from there, or you have so many different projects on the go yeah. that you are just constantly one of them And then uh, literally, one of them, you throw a load of shit against the wall and just see what sticks. <laughs> and uh, and I think, especially from a musician's point of view, like the coronavirus, like, yeah, okay, you can't necessarily do live performances, you know, in, you know, to a crowd, but actually you you have you effectively a little bit more time to be doing all this sort of stuff but you're also at home a lot so you feel like you can do more as well which i think has a big impact on on what you know what what you're trying to do that sort of stuff well and it forces you to ask what you want to do you know by day three or four right you're out of shows on netflix so you've got to find something to do after you binge watch so much <laughs> yeah and i wonder like you know i'm glad that i've got hobbies and interests and there's plenty of yeah. stuff to occupy yeah. when i feel like i'm just as busy as i always would be but i i worry about people that you know only have like a hundred <laughs> songs on their their uh spotify right yeah, <laughs> like, what are they doing <laughs> It's really sad to say it, but unfortunately, I think our girlfriends are those people. <laughs> Put them on blast, but like, I, I love them to pieces, but every day I've messaged them since isolation. It's like, oh, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I'm watching Marvel films. I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's been up for a week now. How many Marvel Oh, there's films? a lot of them. <laughs> I started Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, I, actually, I did watch all of Ken Burns' jazz. That was uh, early on in the Ooh. quarantine. Well, Ken Burns' jazz. Oh, well, that's maybe, we're going to add that onto our little watch list, maybe. <laughs> I was just, oh, I was just like, up. It's like 16. I I remember seeing it in grade school and it would come in like a box VHS set. It was like this big. <laughs> it's a stack. Well, for I'll video viewers, just for reference, I'm, I'm eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Our watch list is, uh, is Jazz, Tiger Guy and World War Two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's diverse. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen that one yet? The one on Netflix? Oh, uh, with, uh... Uh, next, Drugs and Robots. That's not what it's called. Uh, there's something on Netflix. Uh, robots, something and something. Okay. You'll, <laughs> okay, well that, you'll, you'll find it. It's like an anthology. It's like everyone is, uh, it's like 15 minute shorts. They're super weird, though. It's like a Black Mirror. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, we're too bad. We're, we're big fans of Black Mirror. So, uh, well, apart from the mindless, actually, no, I'm not. I'm lying. I've two episodes. We get we get too creeped out by it, man. We're a bunch of a bunch of pussies over here. Like, <laughs> there's not much I can handle. But kind of okay. So just kind of drawing it back to the music sort of chat, and especially the Corona. So obviously, you, you had the Blind Bandits as one of your main projects. Um, right. You and Stefan and Pierce. Is he still part of it, or is he kind of on and off? No, Pierce is in uh, New York in Ground Zero. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. quite, it's quite difficult <laughs> to maintain that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah you, I mean, yeah, you, you might want to reach out to him. I'm sure he'd love to talk. Yeah, definitely. Um, he loves to talk. 
on the phone normally. So um, <laughs> you have them for a while. This is, this is uh, yeah, so the blind bandits we have, uh, it's me and my buddy Stefan. Um, uh, actually, my brother Chris uh, and Miles' other cousin, or Miles and Christian's other cousin, um, <laughs> went to school together with Stefan. <laughs> Uh, but when I moved up here, we started hanging out. Uh, we started the band, I don't know, probably five or six years ago now. Mm. But we started, both of us had come out of our masters and, um, you know, studying classical music and not really having had a band. Yeah. Uh, and we both came out kind of a little bit jaded with classical music, a little bit like, mm-hmm. you know, not thrilled with academia, um, <laughs> recently single um, and kind of back in San Francisco. So um, that's when we started the band. It's really kind of taken up until uh, maybe the last few months for us to feel like things are really starting to move and get rolling. Yeah. Well, you guys you guys definitely started getting some traction. So, I mean, Ollie hasn't seen it yet, but there was a video that you guys kind of did. It was, I don't know if it was a live set, but it was recorded in kind of like mm-hmm. a one-shot sort of take. And that seemed like it was getting a lot of traction, and you guys are getting a lot more sort of, sort of kind of like interaction with your videos. I mean, it's like... 9,000 views now? or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, um, our last one, Rick Shaman, oh, yeah. uh, got almost 10,000 views. Um, wow. So we're, yeah, we're, we're hoping, we were hoping to have this one like ready because we recorded it really close to the other one. <laughs> we're hoping we could like kind of, you know, dovetail them a little bit. But um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> with everyone back home now, we'll get some some good viewage on this next one. Definitely. And have you got a video for that one or is it just the audio? So yeah, far? yeah. You got, you got the video. Okay. Wicked. Yeah. Okay. And it's in the same place. Um, and again, it's a live set. So the way we record is, um, there are all the videos. You'll, if you, if you look us up, blindbandits.com, uh, or, or facebook.com slash blind bandits, Instagram, blind bandits, YouTube, blind bandits. Um, <laughs> I get it all. all Twitter. Blind um, bandits. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, so we record everything live. We like to play as a band in the room. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's, we've, you know, where we've all practiced playing live. That's sort of the craft we came from. So we're just starting now, obviously, because of quarantine, thinking more about tracking and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, everything we have out, basically the way we've done is we've just sat down and we've recorded, you know, five or six takes, and then we take the best take and that's it. Uh, so there's mistakes. Um, they're real, they're authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, we feel like that's a better process than putting out something that's actually crisp and clean and perfect because we yeah. feel like that's not um, authentic. No, well, com- completely. And I think it kind of gives that kind of raw element to the music. And... It's another interesting element as well. It's like whenever you see stuff like that, you're like, oh, it's all taken in one shot. It's so cool. It's, yeah. It adds another kind of uh, arrow to your quiver. <laughs> completely. <laughs> I think it's, especially for us, I was playing Ollie the song earlier and I think especially for us, it was, I mean, I've obviously seen you guys play live uh, when we came over to San Fran, but it, it's just something like, it's it's completely different from our personal kind of like sphere of music because we're very obviously house orientated. Um, that's kind of all we, you know, we listen to other stuff, but that's the kind of main thing that we always listen to. And so being able to listen to your new track, it was, it was wicked because actually like yeah. it's just something different you know and, and i think that's something especially over here like we play it and there'll be some of our uk like some of the uk listeners are like whoa like this oh. is completely different like, <laughs> oh, yeah, these, these hopefully instruments. like it's different from the beginning of the track because that middle <laughs> bit is you know we 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 had to work with that a lot to make that work uh, there's yeah. a, there's a there's you know thousands and thousands of dollars of music theory put into that that <laughs> song and it's funny because there's like on a lot of levels it's a really simple song mm-hmm. right and i actually i first wrote it um well to clarify like i me and stefan write songs but everything is you know uh, 
co uh, cooperation between the two of us yeah. or collaboration. Yeah. Uh, but I started this one after um, uh, it was during the primaries when Donald Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. I think Bernie Sanders had just lost. Oh. And it was generally like it was kind of a rough time for me as well. Um, you know, like money wasn't moving the right way. Jobs, you know, felt like they weren't coming the right way. Yeah. Um, I just felt like I was driving home over the bridge and I just felt like, like shit. I was listening <laughs> to the radio and I was like, oh my God, the world's falling apart. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I got to stop watching the news so much. And yeah. so I decided I was going to write a happy song. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of had this, you know, this like turnaround theme in my head. So I started tinkering with it. But it was sort of a, a reaction to all of that sort of hostility that was going on a few years ago. Yeah, no, completely. And I think music's always best when it comes when it has a story. You, you know, there's a reason for it. You've got a you've got a, a, a an election song coming along, haven't you? Definitely. Well, I can feel it brewing. I can feel it brewing. You got some, think, some some pro Corbyn song. So honestly, just to just to let you know, Charlie, you probably don't know what's going on of our. We see this is the funny thing about the US and the UK is that I am always like feel like I'm tuned in with the U, like the US like politics. Well, I just feel like it's not coming back the other way and seeing what's going on in the UK. We yeah, oh, no <laughs> <way>. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So we basically got like the British version of Trump in power at the moment, and it's just it's just oh, yeah, a good old Boris. Oh mate, it's an absolute shit show, and like I can feel it coming. I can feel that like there's gonna be some kind of like intense like kind of like house track coming out of me just because I just can't deal with all this frustration and anger. <laughs> Brexit, 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 yeah. Brexit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I love it. All right, so Charlie, before we before we we sort of turn off and we we turn on turn around. Is it turn around? Is that right? Turn around. Yeah. Turn around. Yeah. Before we play that as a, an exclusive content for the Cover Three Show. Um, we do have one last question for you, and that's only has something before. No, no, no. no. All, all last question. So the last question is, and this is my, probably my favorite one of everything. What is the first thing you are going to do as soon as this all blows over, the whole corona thing? Questioning. <laughs> Thinking. Probably go to a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> That's a good PC answer. I, I like that. Yeah, I kind of want to go to, go on like a vacation. Um, maybe go to Cambria. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, everyone, that's the Central Coast in California. Been there many times. You know, Thank you. probably one of the favorite places I've ever been. So you know, love it. L lovely, lovely. It's <laughs> the time. It's the time that me and Miles were driving. This is a little secret for you. Me and Miles were driving. We went to go get coffee for him and Papa. And we had the biggest argument we've ever had as adults. Oh, yeah. And Miles almost lamped me while I was driving Papa's car. <laughs> and he was like, pull the car over now. Words were a lot worse than that. But <laughs> we suddenly decided that this is the podcast where you're not allowed to swear on it. <laughs> you know like, after however many, this is the one where you're not allowed to well, swear. Well, with Charlie featuring in the podcast, I feel like there's a strong chance my family will actually li oh, listen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we've got to make sure we I, uh, give a piece I don't think I swore. 
No, yeah, no, 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 no. It's more me because if you listen to our old podcast, I drop every kind of swear word you could possibly think of. I, uh, I had to speak with my mum. I spoke with my mum a couple of days ago and I was like, yeah, you should listen to the podcast. And as soon as I said that and told her how to listen to it, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> she's going to hear me swear so much. She, she's not going to listen. Don't worry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> she can't figure out Spotify, mate. So it's fine. <laughs> well, let me plug. Let me plug. Uh, Blind Bandits, everything. Uh, Facebook, YouTube. I am also going to plug my dear friend, Lauren Holmes, Sleepy Potato Girl on Instagram. <laughs> These are her pictures up there. That is Bach and that is... Is uh, Baron von Puppyface. I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to plug the beautiful Chalista, C E L L I S T A. Uh, we do a lot of work together. Um, so those are places where you can find me. Love it. Well, mate, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And um, thank you as well for giving us exclusive content. Thank you, we Charlie. Feel, thank you, mate. We feel like we're very special podcast hosts now. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy the tune. Thank you. Well, for everyone listening, um, this is Turnaround by Blind Bandits. Make sure you check them out on Facebook, Instagram, most social medias you can think of. And make sure you and visit... What was it? Blind Bandits. Blind Bandits. I think the, it's Blind Bandits. Uh, blind Bandits. <laughs> the, the Blind, blind Bandits. Bandits. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Charlie. And uh, we'll speak to you soon, guys. man. Cheers. Cheers thank you.
Well, don't you know your day? Don't you know your day? It's gonna turn around. It's gonna turn around. 